Hey, faithful viewers, it's Pastor Sullivan here at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Kerrville, Texas, with another episode of ATP. Don't forget, there are a bunch of links down in the video description below of places that you should check out, like ATP's Patreon page, a place where you can get cool shirts and coffee mugs and searchable database, all that sort of stuff. It's uh, in the video description below. Today's question. Dear Pastor, why is an limited time punishment of Christ at the cross enough to exchange for an infinite punishment of all people for eternity in hell? All right, excellent question. So, Scripture teaches that Christ's death redeems us from all sins. St. Peter, uh, in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. Uh, St. Paul tells Titus in Titus 2.14 that Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. And of course, John, uh, 1 John 2.2, he himself is the propitiation for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Christ's death then atones for the sins of the entire world. Uh, and scripture also tells us then that Christ suffered of several hours on Good Friday. So how do we rectify those two things? The fact that he suffered for a few hours, but yet that death, that suffering and death was sufficient to atone for the sins of the entire world. The answer lies not in the amount of time, but in the person who's suffering. Luther explained this very well. He wrote, We Christians should know that if God is not in the scale to give it weight, we on our side sink to the ground. I mean it this way. If it cannot be said that God died for us, but only a man, we are lost. But if God's death and a dead God lie in the balance, his side goes down and ours goes up like a light and empty scale. Yet he can also readily go up again and leap out of the scale. But he could not sit on the scale unless he had become a man like us, so that it could be called God's dying, God's martyrdom, God's blood, and God's death. For God in his own nature cannot die. But now that God and man are united in one person, it is called God's death when the man dies who is one substance or one person with God. Luther's words here are reminiscent of Cyril of Alexandria's words from his commentary on John. Cyril wrote, He died according to the flesh, making his own life the counterweight to the life of all, and he who is worth everyone put together fulfilled in himself the force of the ancient curse. So when Christ suffers and dies upon the cross, it's not a mere man who's suffering and dying. It's, it's the God-man. It's the eternal Son of God in our human flesh. You know, the Word became flesh, fully human with a human body and a human soul, like us in every way excepting sin, so that he could, as Luther says, sit in the scale for us. And since it was man that fell into sin in the Garden of Eden, it must be man who pays for the debt of sins. Yet since there's not a man who can ransom the life of another due to our own sinful nature, the Son of God becomes man and takes our place. So because of the union of the two natures in the one Christ, then we say the properties of each nature have communion with each other. Uh, and Lutherans confess this in the formula of Concord. We say, first, since in Christ there are two distinct natures, 
unchanged and unconfounded in their natural essences and properties, and nevertheless the two natures constitute but one person. That which is even the attribute of the one nature alone is ascribed not to the other nature only as separated, but to the whole person, who at the same time is God and man, whether called God or man. What this means is what is proper to uh, one nature is attributed not to the other nature, but to the single subject, that is, to Christ. So Paul can say, in 1 Corinthians 2, 8, that the rulers of this age crucified the Lord of glory. And in Romans 1, 3, that Christ was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now, this is why he say things, this is why we say things like God suffered, God died, Mary is the mother of God. Because the communication of attributes, Scripture ascribes uh, divine properties as well as human properties to Christ because he is the Word of God made flesh. Scripture employs this kind of language then uh, when it says things like the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sins uh, because human blood cannot cleanse from sins. But the blood of Jesus Christ, who is the word of made flesh, it does. Uh, Paul says in Acts 20, 28, he, Christ, purchased the church with his own blood. And St. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4, 1, Christ suffered for us in the flesh. So again, it's not just the blood of a man that cleanses us from sin and purchases us from sin. It's not just the suffering of a man that atones for our sins. That would be impossible. It's the suffering of God in the flesh. In the early 2nd century, Ignatius of Antioch calls Jesus God who truly was nailed in the flesh. That's in Smyrnians chapter 1. And Cyril of Alexandria, uh, who we've mentioned already, wrote in his 12th Anathema, uh, of Nestorius. If anyone does not confess that the word of God suffered in the flesh and was crucified in the flesh and tasted death in the flesh and became the firstborn from the dead, although as God he is life and life-giving, let him be anathema. Now, the important factor here in all of this doesn't have a thing to do with the amount of time that Christ suffered. So, so it's not an issue of how long the suffering was, but rather who the one was who was suffering for sins. Uh, and the fact that it was God in human flesh doing this, that's what makes his death sufficient to pay for the sins of the entire world. Johann Gerhard, um, archtheologian of the Lutheran Church, he addresses this really beautifully in a passage from his commonplace on justification by faith. It's a little long, but, but bear with me because I think it's worth it. Gerhard writes, Although we deserve not only temporal, but also eternal death for our sins, yet through Christ's temporal death and the pangs of hell he endured for a time, he was able and did not he was able and did provide satisfaction for our sins because of the dignity of the person suffering and dying. With respect to time, Christ's actions and sufferings were finite, but with respect to his person, they were of infinite weight and price. For they were not the actions and sufferings of his human nature alone, but of the human nature personally united with the Word, or what is the same, of Christ the God-man. Therefore the suffering and death of Christ at, as the ransom equal for our sins, since it is the suffering and death of the very Son of God, who endured them in the human nature which he assumed and united personally to himself." 
Consequently, the apostle attributes to Christ's blood the power to cleanse from sins, and by way of explanation, he adds, the blood of Christ Jesus cleanses us from sins, 1 John 1, 7. Therefore, and in this way, the blood of Christ can cleanse from sins, since it is the blood of the Son of God. So also Acts 20, 28, Paul says, God obtained for the church, a church for himself through his own blood. For this reason, Christ was able to acquire the church for himself with his own blood because he is true God. And this, his blood, is God's own blood. Therefore, Gerhard continues, the matter comes down to this. The infinite merit of Christ and his infinite satisfaction are placed over against our infinite evil. That is, against sin, as well as the infinite punishment which we deserve on account of our sins. Just as sin is the, is the infinite evil because it is committed against the infinite God, though it is done in a very brief space of time, so also the ransom price of God is the infinite good because an infinite person provides it, even though it was uh, pain in a definite, uh, definite excuse me, and determined time. So Gerhard, Luther, Cyril, they're all saying the same thing. The amount of time that Christ suffered is irrelevant. What is important is the fact that it was the eternal Son of God suffering and dying in the flesh, making an infinite satisfaction for all sins. This is why we can uh, take heart when we approach his throne of grace. You know, we can't exhaust Christ's merits uh, because they're infinite for us. Th there's no sin that's beyond the pale of God's mercy and Christ's merits. He suffered and made full atonement for the sins of all mankind so that all who believe this and place their trust in Christ's universal atonement, they receive the forgiveness of sins and the promise of everlasting life. Thanks for the question. We'll see you next time on ATP.